0: Okay. 1 2 3 4
1: 5 6 7 8 9 10. Sometimes that's really hard for me to do. I don't know it's cuz I'm I'm dyslexic, but yeah, the counting <laughs> like cuz I always I get nervous. I don't know what my next number is or I'm going to say your number. Uh, yeah. You should see the military barracks.
0: <laughs> what? The first couple days of... Well, actually, all throughout basic training, when you're... Uh, they make you call out oh. numbers, right? Yeah. For So they count off how many people are in the squad or in that floor or whatever. Oh, yeah. So you have to count off your number going next, which is typically perfectly fine. But the- you just... Oh, oh, my God, the amount of people that
1: up yeah well what it's pr- number it's, comes next there's some social pressure behind it because you're in a group of people and it's like i, I get it too especially if it's like uh n- non-linear uh, numbers if you're saying like you know groups of three every third person is going to be in this group you know one two three one two three and then you get nervous because you're trying to think of your number and then the person before you says it and you f- up the number because you forget it starts over again so
0: yeah. Yeah. But these guys are just counting up like <laughs> they just have to say the next number higher than the last guy. That's it. it it's not
1: hard if the last guy says 18, their number is 19. I know, Whoa. but I, I kind of sympathize with them because I was the one that just said I had a hard time counting to get our audio synced. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the w- way that we do our show is that we record our audio separately. And uh, because, you know, I'm in L.A. and you're in Florida, and so we mm-hmm. basically individually record our, our audios, and so we have to sync it up somewhere in post. So the way we do it is we take turns counting, so like I say one, uh, Will says two, and, and three, and back and forth. And then that way when I go into audio, it's nice and easy to sync everything back up because mm-hmm. it's – like you, you couldn't, you couldn't like, like clap like you would normally do if you were recording because, you know, every, everything you were recording on a set – is in the same room so you can clap and it will be synced together, but you, we can't really do that because there's a, a lag between, yeah. you know, our, our voice communications and, and from here in Florida. So, uh, yeah, this is the way we kind of deal with that, with that latency.
0: Yeah. It's easy and simple and it's
1: by yeah, far it's the... so easy. It's so much easier to do it this way than I have no idea how we did, how we did it before. Oh, that, I mean, you could tell, you can listen to some of the things and we're kind of off, but, <laughs> Uh, you know, we do our best we every time. We get better, man. We're trying our best here. What's up, guys? Welcome to this episode of Uncovered Cinema. I'm Brian. I'm Will. And today, I think we're taking a break from uh, movies. Really, well, well yeah. we're st- we're still staying on movies, but uh, yeah. you know, it's June. It's uh it's Pride Month, and so we're talking about gay guys. Um, <laughs> no, but it's also—I mean, of course, we all—we we, got to—we got to show love for 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 all them gay guys. Uh, but yeah, we're also—it's also PTSD uh, awareness month, and uh, that mm-hmm. is uniquely the thing that kind of uh, bonds us together—is is both of our traumas and stuff. We've kind of found a friendship. Um, through that, even though we we grew up with each other, it's just yeah. Uh, there was about twenty years where, we're, where we went through some shit, and now we're kind of coming back and and kind of supporting each other of it. So uh, it's it's important yeah, to us. Absolutely. And yeah, and and you know we uh, talked about what is it called the uh, woman in the window, um, one of Netflix's uh, movies that came out uh, f- a few weeks ago, and uh, it, we just one of the criticisms was how bad it addressed uh, people of, of, of having mental disabilities or disorders and, and we didn't mm-hmm. feel like it was accurately you know highlighting or bringing awareness to these kind of issues and, and the agoraphobia that that woman felt is also you know kind of uh, reminiscent of, of people with PTSD it's, it's actually brought on by a symptom of PTSD so yeah. um, I, I've kind of had my agoraphobic phase as well where I didn't want to leave the house for quite some time and, uh, yeah. you know what? I'm actually really, I'm not really looking to this, looking forward to this, uh, this episode because one thing guys don't do <laughs> is convey emotions very well. And, uh, and I think, I think at the end of this, I'm going to be pretty emotionally exhausted, but, uh, what do, you, what do you, what do you, what's going on with you, Will? How are you doing? Yeah. We've been, uh, <laughs> pushing this episode off, um, cause we wanted for to like do a...
0: something special for PTSD month to share our experiences with you guys let you know, I don't know, a little bit more about us, who we are, and uh, what experiences we've had, which is not the easiest things to talk about in the slightest. Um, And leading up to this, I did um, check out a couple movies to try to help me get more comfortable with, you know, broaching the subject. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the movies I checked out was uh, Iron Man 3 Because I looked up uh, like a list online and it was one of the top movies and I Really? Yeah, I completely forgot how centered around the trauma of uh, New York This movie was for um,
1: Tony Stark, you know? Oh, okay. I think I would sympathize more with uh, Thor getting fat at the end of Avengers. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I I wouldn't have thought about that. So that's...
0: that's, Yeah, he... um, During the entirety of the movie, he's getting uh, scared by objects. He's having panic attacks. He's getting anxious. Mm, That's right. Um, He's getting really defensive at... Um, like a child who is not a uh, a threat, but he still gets really defensive in the questions, and yeah, that causes okay. him to get like have panic attacks and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's I really weird that that movie was one of the first things that would uh pop up for for PTSD. But I guess it's it's kind of a light way to deal with a important subject. So yeah, for yeah. for me, I, I think having PTSD is probably one of the worst things that has happened to me in my life that I deal with because it's, it's so ever present in my day to day. And it's, it's, it's frankly exhausting to, to deal with it at times and and almost overwhelming because, uh, it, it takes over almost every single thing in my life, you know, sleep, mm-hmm. it, it, I can't sleep well anymore. Good luck of, you know, it's a great, it's a gem. If I have a good night's sleep and, um, you know, uh, interacting with other people, I have this, this kind of emotional wall that's put up now that prevents me from, yeah. from talking with people or letting them in. Um, you know, going out in public is, is, uh, <laughs> is always, has been an, always an issue. And there's always this, this hyper awareness that you have that just doesn't go away um, and And hyper awareness sounds like a good thing, but it 's just it 's really it's exhausting not. when you 're sitting in your bed at three o'clock in the morning, and every little noise you hear in your house brings you to full adrenaline rush and you 're ready to like you know go go head to head with whatever 's about to jump into your window, but the only thing that 's in your window is what 's in your mind, and it 's <laughs> frankly exhausting
0: yeah it 's with being hyper aware, just imagine. The uh, normal amount that you're walking down the street and you're just noticing everybody, you know, the guy that's singing down, singing, the dude that's, you know, always scanning, for money, you know,
1: you're always scanning at yeah. the head on a swivel type thing.
0: Yeah, exactly. You notice everybody. You notice Everybody that's in um, every alleyway, you notice uh, every exit, if it's propped open, if it's closed, when you go into buildings, (laughs) if how many people are in there, how many exits are in the (laughs) exits, what's going on, who's behind the desk, what type of, you know, there's all these different things that you think about when you're hyper aware that you just wouldn't normally think about. And you don't shut it off
1: ever. No,
0: it never shuts off.
1: It's kind of the unglamorous side of all the cool spy movies that you see. It's like when you see people, <laughs> they can walk into a room and they know there's four exits. And then that so-and-so is wearing a wedding ring and this and, and you know, that person had a uh, unslightly pouch on the back of their their small of their back, which could be a gun. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, sound, it looks sexy on TV, but oh, it's so exhausting in real life when you can't shut it off and that's all that you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah what, it, it, I, I guess we could probably provide some context about how we've come into this situation. I know mm-hmm. uh, personally, my experiences, my talking about my experiences would not be appropriate on on radio. But I can tell you like where how it came from generally. Um, and, and I know you could probably do so yourself. I I think yeah. actually, I, I don't know even know if you want to talk about it, but I, I know like uh, journaling has kind of like helped you do this right and you you actually started like like working on on some manuscripts as well to to kind of like chronicalize the things that have happened to you because you're what for you it's everything that happened with you is very widely known it was on the news Mm -hmm. it was in the newspapers uh your recovery from your injuries were in the newspapers and mine was kind of the complete opposite it was done in the middle of the night and uh and in the, the incident, the, it was an active shooter situation and I was pretty much out as soon as the, uh, police let me go. So, and I left the state and never came back since, you know? So, um, yeah, the, uh, I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah. Um,
0: with mine, I can talk, I've talked about, been very open with what's happened, uh, with me throughout the years. Um, In August of 2014, yes, um, I was involved in a uh, active shooter, a green on blue attack, which means a a guy who was our ally, but of a different um, country origin, This, this one being Afghan army soldier, attacked us when we you know, had her back turn basically and figured it So quickly. he was legitimately a spy? Well, we don't know. Um as far as I've been told, uh the thoughts and uh the um like, like motivation behind the attack is unknown. They think he may have had a um like a mental episode ah. or something because um typically if they're going to do One of these attacks against um, coalition forces They wouldn't do it when their own people are in the way And it just so happened that a group of um, Afghan officers Happened to be in the group that he attacked So they don't think it was, you know, politically or anything like that Plus no other, no groups have uh, stood up and never took Mm. Um, You know Never took responsibility for, as far as I know, as far as I know. Um, But, uh, yeah, so this dude, as far as we can tell, he just kind of went crazy and saw an opportunity to, I guess,
1: attack us, and he did. And and so how did that, you know, which is, it's interesting that you're saying that because this also sounds like it, it could be another symptom of PTSD. That's a common thing to have is like a ptsd attack where you kind of i I don't know if it it doesn't necessarily happen for me but does it happen for you where you get like uh something happens like a like a car backfires and you get flashback um to oh man yeah okay yeah all the time i have any
0: issues anytime that there's a lot of movement like fast movement right behind me i uh start freaking out and i start getting uh heart palpitations i start uh Getting shortness of breath because I need to figure out what happened. Because when I got shot, I was in the process of turning my body to the left and I
1: was in the process of turning around. That's when I got shot through my left shoulder. Wait, and wait, my we'll, we'll take us back for a second. So this guy possibly had a mental breakdown and he took advantage of an opportunity that he saw. Um, wh- where were you at in the time? What country were you in? You said Afghanistan? Um, yeah, we are in Afghanistan. And this was on a military base, right? Because you said there was Mm -hmm. different allies and stuff that you were working with.
0: Yeah, I was working um, PSD Ops, um, personal security, for the United States Army Corps of Engineers. We would go just around to the different um, uh, engineering sites to make sure that they're being well ran, which they typically were. And they're being well managed and that they were on schedule. And and, and your job was... To protect the people that were traveling. Yeah, so my oh, job was to protect okay. the
1: smart guys who had to take care of all that stuff. <laughs> uh, I see. And so you were on a base at the time, and this guy lost his shit, basically. And so what did he do? What happened, and how did how did it turn into this um, incident so, that brought up to it?
0: Yeah, so he barricaded himself inside um, a bathroom, I'm guessing on the first floor. And why are we doing this to ourselves? I don't know, dude. <laughs>
1: this is horrible. Yeah. Uh, it is what it okay, is. go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> um,
0: go ahead. And he, there was a partially opened window, right? On this, uh, building that he was in the cement building. And out of the window mm-hmm. was a black hose. Okay, because that's how they got the water. Because they're still under construction, everything was still being built, right? So they needed to get water into this building. The only way
1: they're doing it was through this hose. Wait, this is from the genius of the Army Corps of Engineers to put a, a hose inside the window.
0: Man, they're tr- they're they're trying, man.
1: <laughs> these these are the geniuses you're trying to protect. <laughs> okay, they're, they're go trying. ahead. Sorry,
0: <laughs> they were trying. We love you, Army okay. Corps of Engineers. They Sorry. are building stuff, <laughs> and building stuff takes time. Anybody that's ever built anything knows it takes time.
1: <laughs> okay, so there was a hose going into the window, and this was the shower for most men on the base. To okay, go to provide
0: temporary water for whoever's using that bathroom. I don't know what they use that <laughs> for, but it's to provide temporary water until Man. Okay, anyways. <laughs> um he put his barrel next to that hose so it wasn't seen mm. it wasn't like noticed. nobody noticed it and um when a big group of us gathered here um to you know to hear the briefing that was being given and to scan the area um he took he waited for the good opportunity and uh you know just started uh unloading on us
1: Start opening this. a fire on the crowd and yeah. from the things i've read that you basically did your job that you were trained to do right you mm-hmm. protected the people you were supposed to protect and yeah uh effectively acted as a bullet sponge <laughs> to protect <laughs> them right uh but, well because i mean i assume that you know you're probably had more more uh Bulletproofing—I don't know—that <laughs> doesn't sound like a right word, but more bulletproofing than them, maybe. I'm not sure. And, uh, and and ultimately, you know, it was your job to protect them, which so you did your job, right? And yeah. So um, in the process, what happened?
0: <laughs> yeah, I—I I did my job. That's uh, it's definitely one thing I did. Um, when I got shot in the beginning, I got shot in my left shoulder and my left side, and luckily, I was still wearing my vest. Um from the military. I had my vest on, which is good because we were told we can um, you know, dress down if we really wanted to because we're on a Allied military base. We're in, you know, yeah. we're so safe. should be safe. Yeah. Yeah. We can dress down if we want to. We want to show them that we trust them, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh we decided not to, thankfully. Uh we did take off her helmet, so I didn't have my helmet on. But um I got shot in my shoulder my side. Got my uh Yelled at my guys I was protecting to run and get out And then um, I saw another dude That was Kneeling in the middle Of all this like Bullets going everywhere in this Just Hectic area So I Mm -hmm. wanted to run over to him and grab him And get him to like run right And so I got up and I ran over To him I got shot in my right leg On the way over and that took me down, and I got shot in the back as well. That took me down. Um, I get up, the dude gets behind me. I get shot a bunch more times. Uh, I go to return I like how you fire. you say that
1: so casually. <laughs>
0: yeah, I got. I ended up getting shot. What? Once? Twice? Through my leg? Uh, once through four. Like eight, ten times, something like that yikes and in both uh the piercing shots and the ones that hit my vest, so the ones I didn't go through
1: and and how how did how was this threat eliminated was that was that taken in part by you or did you have the the other people or um with you like yeah. stop him or so um, I returned fire with my
0: nine mil. But um, so did uh, another American, and I believe someone from the Romanian military, and I could be completely wrong there. Um, They returned fire, so uh, somebody ended up shooting them, and then... (laughs) his allies afterwards after they uh found his dead body did not um, hmm, did not treat him very kindly if you know what i mean uh, they well, ended up uh
1: desecrating his body it, it is a third world country that was in an active war zone at the time so um, yeah they were yeah, not I mean, yeah yeah i mean they they also you know I, I get it, they they uh they embarrassed the, you know, Army Corps of Engineers that were there. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's well it was I, more I, I'm trying like to make a joke. I don't know. It, it
0: it wasn't it wasn't that they embarrassed <laughs> the Army Corps of Engineers, it was more like that they attacked their own people. You yeah, know? Yeah, it was like such pathetic. a dishonorable act that he did that they wanted to do something equally dishonorable to him.
1: Yeah, that that makes you know sense. I mean? You know, scratch my back, scratch yours, type thing. Turn yeah. one cheek on the other. <laughs> yeah, and, an and, and an so eye. was that the first incident that you'd seen uh, combat, or what? Did you see it throughout your your service? Um, I was. That was definitely the catalyst, I'm sure. But yeah, the, yeah, um, that was that was the
0: worst by uh, by a long shot. You know, getting uh, wounded. Um, I was in uh, Guantanamo Bay for uh, 12 months as a prison guard. That was a... Uh... Dude, how do you not have PTSD from that? Dude, it's that... that. Mm-hmm. I loved my time there.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> no, wow, okay. Um,
0: yeah, it's just... Uh, it was okay. You know? It's not really the... The events that cause PTSD that are the worst, you know.
1: No, no, it's the everything afterwards. Because I mean, yeah, yeah. The, yeah the the event is over, but there's definitely I think some kind of catalyst. Usually, there's a trauma associated with mm-hmm. it that that starts it. But yeah, ultimately, yeah. that it the event itself is not much to it. And frankly, we can make the argument that. Yeah. Every American nowadays has some form of PTSD. You know, we just kind of left this pandemic or we're still in it, but you know, it's, it's dying down here and you know, people are scared to go out in public right now. People are, you know, terrified to take a mask off in public. And and that in itself is some form of PTSD that we've all developed from the pandemic. Yeah. But it's, it's definitely not comparable to like the incident that, that you had, that's that's pushed it into a different level that nobody else, that unless they have it, would know about and and how much it affects their, their day-to-day life. So, oh, uh, I the mean, yeah, it's apple to oranges <laughs> and there's kind of a spectrum that's of, of PTSD that's around there. Um, you know, for me, I, I was in uh, law enforcement. I did uh, training as yeah. a peace officer with Sacramento County. And uh, ultimately, right when I graduated the academy, the economy crashed and there was not yeah, not, and unfortunately uh, Mm a peace officer is a public servant and is paid with public um money finances so all that was kind of cut cut away and it became really tough for me to find work so i came down to southern california and became a uh fugitive recovery agent which is just the fancy way of saying a bounty hunter and uh when you are a, a bounty hunter you basically work for yourself and the way that works is there's bail bond agencies that post bail um for people to come out of jail and and, and do their case and their and they're supposed to use that time to work on their court cases and, and go to trial until they ultimately get a uh, non-guilty verdict or or get um sentenced and when they don't show up for the court dates or the the periodic check ins that you have to do with your with the uh, courthouse, then they can revoke the bail, Jeez. and essentially that what that is doing is, is saying that they have to go back into jail until they go to their court date. Mm-hmm. So that's where I would come in is for the people that don't want to be captured, um, that they don't want to go back to jail, and they don't want to deal with their court cases. They're they're just trying to. pretend none of it exists really and so by the time i'm called in these people are have become very good at hiding and they are true criminals that that have uh subscrited the law and Uh, and, can get very you know i'm I'm usually the last resort i'm i'm the last thing the last thing these people want uh the bail bonds want to deal with because we're so expensive we we cost tens of thousands of dollars to co- you got to imagine how much it costs to bring a body back to jail that doesn't want to go and you're basically paying for policing and yeah so the for me it was great though because at the time I was young and it was pretty much everything that you see in the movies it's kicking doors it's holding people at gunpoint tasing people fights all the time you it's 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 very high adrenaline uh, rush the work like that is that way all the time so it's everything that I wanted when you think about being a police officer you know it's it's when it's the reason people join the military is because they want to hold big guns and throw grenades and that's pretty yeah. much the life I was living Were the adrenaline junkies uh, yeah exactly and it, and it was great I got to do all that because I was dealing with the worst of the worst cases and every case was somebody kicking and screaming going back to jail and uh A lot of my my PTSD was built up on the various things that happened throughout the years. You know, I have several—I have probably closer to a thousand um, arrests at this point. And, and, uh, you know, during the course of a day, it's—the police don't—they are—it's a matter—it's a civil matter. So the police can't really help you with it at this point um, because you're—they didn't actually— break the law at this moment. They broke the law previously, but at this moment right now, they're in good standing. So, you know, they're not breaking the law, not doing anything they're not supposed to do, other than the fact that they are not showing up for their court date. So they need to go back to court. And so, uh, the police look at it as a civil matter because it's, it's essentially the bail bondsman wants to get his money back from this person who owes him money. And the only way he gets mm-hmm. his money back is by bringing him back to jail where the court will release his money. So, yeah. They would never touch anything. So if something was you know, going on in a house, which would be a normal normal occasion, people are screaming, doors being kicked down, windows being broken, and uh, in, in some cases, shots being fired, uh, the police stay away from it. They won't come. Um, so you're pretty much yeah. on it on your own. So a lot of these things that have happened are incidences that have, that have related from that. Um, I've, I've been, I can recall a time where I had a person who was who was running from me and it was a long driveway and they had a uh, ford f350 it was an older older ford and we had various uh scout cars at the time so that we can watch houses and see if the subjects we were trying to catch were in the house you know we'd stake it out for a while and watch it and uh, i had a little car in this one i believe it was like a a dodge caliber dodge neon or something like that a really small car and i used it to try to block this guy's escape uh, but instead, I got you know smashed with a Ford F three hundred and fifty at about forty five miles an hour, and it crunched my car Jesus. almost. Uh, the the passenger a column was uh, you know only a few inches away from my face. That's how far the, the the car got crushed in, and uh, and that was just a normal day. And it really it didn't matter because at the end of the day, we caught the guy, and I could just we could just go out and buy a new car because the the money was worth it. So yeah. Yeah, in, in Still, this specific incident, what, what happened was there was uh, a subject that was uh, barricaded in their house. And the, they, had, they didn't leave. They didn't. They wanted us to leave. And we were at the door trying to get in, basically, trying to break the door in. Uh, we had a warrant to, to get into the house, and everything was good on our end. Uh, but we didn't know that the person had a firearm on the other side. And they responded by shooting through the door, <laughs> which started this this oh. uh, whole gun <laughs> battle. And uh, before it was one of those doors that have windows on the side too, so like long windows along the sides of the door. So before yeah. you know it, it's this whole you know uh, wild west movie where they're you know pointing a gun around the door through a broken window, trying to shoot out at us, and we're trying to shoot mm-hmm. in through the through the house. And it became this whole big uh, situation. And um, when basically the dust had cleared the 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 police eventually had to show up to to help clean up the mess per se and uh, yeah. once we were cleared everything was justified in our end we got got out of there and uh, you know th- several things like that several instances like that because again that that may sound extreme but that is honestly just a normal day in this job mm-hmm. uh, in this job description and so those things kind of built up to a point where I had become so anxious and, and, uh, it, it kind of grew to a point where I became like so anxious that I, I couldn't even go outside anymore because every time I went outside, it was a potential situation for things to go, you know, up to that high level of, of, of activity. And, uh, and ultimately I wasn't able to continue working anymore. And I kind of became like a shut in because I was, you know, scared to go outside. I was scared to go in crowds because this, uh, keep in mind, this wasn't the first, uh, active shooter situation. I'd been in. I've been probably you know two or three incidences that I can think of, and then other incidences where I was just discharging a weapon and and in, mm-hmm. um, in, in self defense for myself. Um, yeah. And and not uh, not every time it, it leads to you know bodily injury injury, but there are times where yeah uh, people are going to hate me for this. Uh, there are times <laughs> where you or go into a property of a house and they sick an animal on you and you need to protect yourself. Um, and you could do that anyway, yeah. you know, from you, if you have time, you can pepper spray. If you have time, you can tase, but sometimes you don't always have time and you have to react. So, yeah. Yeah. Better so safe
0: I'll, to react, to save your life than to worry about an animal. I love yeah. animals. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I, I love animals too. I have hound. six,
1: <laughs> I have six animals yeah. right now.
0: So Yeah, I have my Bloodhound Leia and I love her to absolute death. But if, if she was chasing the dog you. <laughs> is going crazy and needs to get taken down, I'll take the damn dog down.
1: <laughs> right. And so, you know, all the that kind of mended uh melted together and, and that's kind of what's caused my my anxiety and my PTSD and and, and, and agoraphobia for some point in time where i was scared to leave the house and uh you know a lot of drugs i had a lot of a lot of medicine to kind of help me cope and get back to the way it was some therapy uh, guys with therapy it doesn't really work so well but if it it works for you go for it you know try it but yeah for me it didn't really work so well because reliving or talking about your things didn't really i don't know it didn't really like it's hard to remove the power from them or yeah or help me process it better it was really just like you said the incident's now it doesn't really matter about the things that happen. It's it's really about like that the high uh, anxiety you have now, that hyper awareness mm-hmm. you have now. That's the things we're trying to manage. We're not really we've already dealt with the injury the the traumas of the incidents. It's just mm-hmm. managing the side effects <laughs> is kind of what's happening now. Yeah, and like
0: what I've been trying to do is be more. I don't know, open and facing towards, you know, what happened. And I try not to judge people now based off what happened to me in the past,
1: you know? Mm, Okay, yeah. I could see how that could kind of skew your
0: your view of people. Because of, yeah, because of, you know, getting attacked by some people that we felt were our allies, it really just... Like makes it when I meet new people have a very jaded look at them, no matter how good their first impression is. I have a instantly jaded look at them.
1: Yeah, I get it. You have a completely different perspective to the phrase friend stabbing you in the back, right? It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's all too real for you now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a bad shot. That was a no, bad no, that's perfect. <laughs> What is your worst uh, symptom of having PTSD? Oh man, um, if I'm ever in a situation that I
0: if I'm ever in a situation that I feel that I can't control, um, whether the outcome is being something I want it to or not, as long as it's something I can predict it's gonna happen, then I'm okay. If I'm ever in like a mm. a surprising situation, I'll have a panic attack.
1: That's a really good point that you bring that up because that's something I didn't even mention is for me, a big thing is control is, is being able Mm -hmm. to control my environment now. So I don't ride roller coasters. I don't, um, I don't even let other people drive a vehicle unless I know exactly where they're going and what's going to be happening again, predicted outcomes. But uh, a lot of the times, if I don't know, if I've recently become a friend with you, I won't let you drive. I'll be the one that drives probably for the first few years. Until I can expect some kind of consistency in the way your driving style and how you react to things, I don't. Yeah, need, I, yeah it's it's a huge thing for me. Con, having control of my environment nowadays is is like number one priority. It's something that I'm always thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Me and my girlfriend just
0: celebrated our second year anniversary not too long ago.
1: Nice. Congrats.
0: And, oh, thank you, thank you, and. Even to this day, I still don't let her drive very much. Not that she's a bad driver. She's a very good driver. It's just I don't trust anybody behind yeah. the wheel of the car except me. And, like, yeah. not that I'm, a you know, a good driver. But if I'm going to die, damn it, it's going to be because I'm a dumbass
1: driver, not because somebody else is. Right, <laughs> you know? Yeah. What kind of uh, – you said you have those kind of flashbacks. So what kind of things, like, would set you off to do that?
0: Um. Sometimes, it it's really depends on what it is. Um, I'll have flashbacks that will have nothing to do with the original incident. It's just I'll start remembering something of my past in super, super deep detail, you know?
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I had that problem, too. <laughs> and
0: it's just like, uh, like, I'll start staring, and next thing you know, it's like my whole you could just tell by looking at my fe- face i'm in a different dimension and in my mind you're not mind, even there
1: anymore right you just kind of exactly. leave it's crazy yeah
0: yeah it's like i'm thinking about something else just i'm in that other memory that has nothing to do with it may not even be a bad memory you know it's yeah. just it completely
1: takes my entire focus and everything i am but the i i would describe those incidences as vivid though it's like mhm it's like having an imagination, but it's vivid. Like you get drawn back yeah. to the moment, and it's almost kind of like you see on TV. Like there, like a, a blink of an eye, and somebody's in a different universe. That's kind of how mm-hmm. it feels, and it really takes some some effort to pull somebody back. Luckily, it hasn't happened when I'm driving or anything. But I, I wouldn't yeah. say that for me, I have like triggers or anything. But definitely, I have those moments where I kind of disappear and uh, kind of get lost in myself. And, and honestly, sometimes those type of things can last for days where I'm, like, yeah. just in my own mind for days trying to, like, work out the things that I'm thinking about. So um, yeah. it's it's I, that's probably one of the more common things that I have, right, that I'm dealing with at the moment.
0: Pandemic yeah, hasn't really out, helped that. <laughs> yeah, and I found out that it's more like the more pain I'm in, the more of those, you know, those vivid things I get, mm. you know?
1: Because um, you're, well, you had... Yours is kind of like associated with the severe pain of of getting yeah. shot, right? So that would be kind mm-hmm. of like a a link, a psychological link to when it when you <laughs> feel pain, it kind of feels brings up those memories, right?
0: Yeah. And like I'm always in pain, but some days are much, much worse than others, you know? And some days really aren't that bad. Um and the days that aren't that bad, um I don't doze off like in a daze as much but I'll still have just as many panic attacks. And these are all stuff that... Go ahead. I was going to say, these are all things that, uh, you know, you have to work with your therapist individually. Of course, being, you know, lucky for me being a veteran, I have
1: access to the VA, which is so great. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have incidences where you kind of snap into a moment and you are not yourself like do you have things where you not necessarily where you wouldn't remember what you did but it's not in your behavior to act that way or is that just me <laughs> oh
0: i i've done that um a lot more uh when the incident was fresher mm. um when it would get to the anniversary of the incident i would get into really bad
1: um I almost describe it as like bipolar events. Like it's kind of honestly what it feels like is bipolar events, but I think it's, I'm maybe I am bipolar, but maybe it's, (laughs) it's something that's associated with PTSD as well, because I feel like the, the things that brought that on are, are connected somehow, but
0: Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: And they're, they're connecting new things all the time,
0: you know, to, uh, different people's reactions. Um, to traumatic events that's really all it is PTSD
1: is yeah yeah so <laughs> this brings up my again a little deeper here we go do you have weapons in your house no. still
0: no <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i do not have a single weapon in my house i do not trust myself right now it is way too close to it it's been six years in August since I got shot, and it's still too close for me, yeah. in my opinion, to have weapons in my house.
1: Okay, congrats. I applaud you that you're strong enough to be able to to kind of come to that conclusion. You know, for me, it's like, it, this is a tricky thing. Okay, because people that are in the military, armed services and law mm-hmm. enforcement, the weapon that they're given to them is the way they control the situation, right? It's it's their yep. it's their ultimate form of of having control. And so when something traumatic happens where they have to use their weapon, the most psychologically damaging thing that you can do is take their weapon away, right? Because that's the yeah. thing that they just used it. Like you can't you can't say that you don't need it because you just had to use you were just put in a situation where you needed to use your weapon and then now taking it away can be pretty damaging. But on that same uh, side of the coin is once the PTSD kind of comes in, on that same side of the coin, <laughs> having a weapon cannot be very helpful for you because when you, when you go through these you know, mental trips or, or get stuck in your head the The weapon there is just kind of a reminder of oh, it's an easy way to end it, or it's an easy way to end everyone else around you, and and, and to get all the noise to stop really. So, that's that's good that you yeah. you don't have a weapon, and and that you know yourself well enough to not have one. Now, yeah, for me, I I, I, I I for me it's important to still maintain maintain the control. So I, I have a weapon, but the caveat is I don't have any ammo, and I don't have any <laughs> any any way to get around it. Like I. I I would have to go out and, and like for me I don't think I would be gone long enough to have the reasoning to go out and buy ammo, bring it back yeah. to load up my weapon and and I, I don't even know where to buy it nowadays. You can't even buy it at Walmart. So um Yeah, I yeah, wouldn't I know where like to a, get it. But yeah, and like and then an I would have to store. like there's like three locks to get to my weapon, so I don't I don't keep <laughs> I, don't, I yeah. don't have my my uh, I think I would I would lose my I wouldn't be gone long enough to be able to remember to go out, get that, come back, unlock all the locks, and then get ha- access to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, honestly, I can say the reason I'm I'm here today is is because uh, my big toe is so big that it didn't in, fit in the um <laughs> it didn't fit in the uh, trigger guard, and I ended up laughing, <laughs> and it was so hard that my foot is so fat it couldn't fit in the trigger guard. So um, yeah, that that yeah, one... doesn't I'm, I'm lucky, you know, that I I, I don't. Have to deal, you know, I don't really have to deal with, with that as much nowadays, but yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. something that's still there. So I'm glad you don't have your weapons.
0: Yeah, no, my I had him after my first tour, um, back in uh 10 11 2010 2011. And uh, after I came home from my first tour, I had access to my pistol, and mm-hmm. um, it was it was a different story, dude. Every time I Got depressed or I Had a panic attack Or any Any type of issue um, I would always Clean my gun and you know Do things like that like nothing that was Like threatening but
1: Nothing productive
0: Yeah nothing productive either and after I got Um Was going away on To my second tour to Guantanamo Bay I asked my grandpa to watch over my gun because, you know, I didn't want it to get stolen or anything while I'm gone. Um and then after getting shot, it's just like, uh, <laughs> uh I'm just gonna i wanna take my time before getting my gun back just in case. You
1: yeah, know, smartest decision you could have made. Cause yeah, that's yeah. That was a, a, definitely a scary moment in my life realizing I still had access to weapons and I you know for me I just haven't gotten rid of it yet but yeah definitely it's on the yeah. list to do and uh, I don't I don't think I need it anymore I'll never need it and uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's it's nice th- to
0: have one you know around just in case you know shit goes down or whatever
1: but sometimes the shit going down is in your head so most not... of the time <laughs> yeah. the shit going down is in your head <laughs> yeah no that. Honestly, aside from all that shit, that uh, it sounded like a joke, but that is legitimately a true story. I was in, I was mm-hmm. depressed and I had my shotgun and I was getting ready to like blow my head off, and I decided shotgun to be the best way to do it. And I couldn't get my foot in the fucking trigger guard because I got <laughs> big fat feet, and I just fell down laughing so hard. I was just like. Okay, this is ridiculous. Like, who has these problems? They can't get their damn toe in the fucking trigger. <laughs> and then from there, I was just yeah, I was like, I was okay. I was laughing so hard, I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm gonna go put this away now.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't.
1: <laughs> what else yeah, can we man, talk about? I didn't want
0: to. I didn't want to run into any issues like that, uh, especially because I had uh, really bad, uh, like, suicidal thoughts when it came. When right after I got shot, you know, mm-hmm. it was really hard. It was really hard to come back and mix back into uh, civilian society. Mm-hmm. You know, I after bet. being military, your entire adult life from the time you turned 17 until the time you're, you know, 23 or 24 is when I got shot. So literally my entire adult life right. was in the military. And then they're trying, like, hey, yeah and you're shot, you're wounded, you may not walk again'cause you know this was back in the time they didn't think I was you know gonna walk again. you may not walk again, but uh yeah figure it out, yeah uh readjust into civilian life, yeah, go do that. that's a thing that you can easily do, yeah, go do
1: that, <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. What was your recovery like? so when you oh. were shot, you were brought back to America, and uh what what? Recovery times? How long were you in the hospital? What happened? Like, what had be oh, done yeah. to so, you? And
0: how are you at now? Like the the hospital itself, Walter Reed was amazing. Right, had top notch care. Um, like, I would not have my leg or my arm if it was a hospital ten years prior to me getting shot. You know, is that the one They're that cutting. they reserve for the presidents? Like, they, well, the presidents go there, right? Yeah, they go there, um, Walter They'll go there if uh, things are bad enough wow. But it's just It's a military hospital that is just on the cutting edge Of research And development of everything Right, regarding to saving Their soldiers' lives So I got top notch care um, And they tried their Absolute best to get me Mentally Ready to go back into Civilian life
1: But mm. everybody's different you know, yeah, yeah. That's something I can't imagine. That's like you said. That was your whole, your whole life up until that point. Pretty much is is, mm-hmm. is military. So that was probably a pretty big change. And then now, at the time where you you weren't able to walk at the time, right? If there was a time you.
0: Yeah, at the time that I was recovering, it took a while for me to be able to walk again, because um, at first I. uh the bone that was in my right leg fell out. Okay, so the bone that's beneath your knee, mm-hmm. um, it was shattered and part of it fell out, so they needed to get a cadaver bone um, in, and to do so they need to well. Is that the ones someone. that the dogs chew on? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> no, th- those are the ones that come out of dead people.
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> so you got a, a, a bone humans. from a
0: another person. Yep. I got a bone from a deceased soldier, I'm guessing, or somebody. But either way, they had the same blood type as me and a couple Mm -hmm. other things. And my um, DNA was able to grow inside of it. So they got that connected in and a rod. And during that whole time, I couldn't walk on my leg. So that took like about a year.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And within that year, they would have me do some physical therapy, but nothing crazy. At the most, it would be walking with a cane,
1: you know? Yeah, okay, what are you going to do? You got, like, a rod in your leg, and you got, like, all these things attached to it, and someone else's bone in your body. It's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll go take a walk. No, you can't really do that. <laughs>
0: you got to wait yeah. till you know, it takes. Yeah, and while dealing with all that, I was also having to deal with not, like, using my hand anymore, my left hand. Because for the first... uh four months after I got shot, I didn't have any use out of my left hand whatsoever. Wow. I couldn't move it. I couldn't feel it. Nothing. We were at, we were highly thinking about amputation on my arm, but they said, hopefully after fixing your shoulder, maybe, you know, some feeling will come back. Otherwise we can go in and do some surgery on the nerves. Hmm. And right before they needed to do surgery on the nerves, um, that specifically I started getting feeling back in my hand.
1: Oh your arm was just playing with you. <laughs> yeah like, it was just okay, like, oh, okay, no, it's, guy, come on. Y- yeah you're <laughs> gonna a like, nap. Now you're doing surgery. Okay, okay, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> everything <laughs> everything works everything works fine.
0: It's like see so, nothing's here, nothing's wrong. <laughs> no surgery needed. Nope, nope no
1: <laughs> and so now you don't have any problems with your with your hand but you still have problems with your leg though, right?
0: Yeah, I well, I still have problems with my hand and my leg. Oh, okay. um, even though I can use my hand, it's still at only about eighty percent, seventy five percent the strength of my right hand. Oh, I see. You know, it, it's drastic uh, strength drop. Um, I also have like nerve weakness. So, um, like on the bottom side of your arm, right? If you feel it, it kind of like it feels ticklish, tickly, mm-hmm. right? for me on my left hand doing that same motion feels like a bunch of knives in every spot that is feeling like a ticklish for you it feels Yikes. like i'm digging into my skin because the nerves are just flaring up that bad uh,
1: okay but and, i can use my hand and and the leg is just uh it's just is it, just pain like what i would imagine like maybe phantom pain like if somebody has a You know like an amputation Like you still kind of feel like the pains from all the The injury that happened there Yes and no Um, I do get a
0: lot of pain And um, I don't know what Necessarily causes the pain Some of it will be dull aching pain That'll Mm -mm. go the whole length Of my leg from my knee to my ankle Some of it will be sharp Like sharp Blinding pain That'll be in one
1: spot or it'll go everywhere. So it really just depends. So you you get all the kind of pains mixed together then is what you're saying? Yeah. (laughs) All the different times, the different. That's horrible. When one,
0: one, one pain goes away, another creeps up somewhere. If I'm having really drastic, hardcore pain in my leg and it finally, finally relieves, my shoulder starts hurting. (laughs) you my friend are just
1: describing old age
0: <laughs> no, i'm just Bro, kidding <laughs> i'm describing my everyday
1: life <laughs> <laughs> wow that's that's uh what do we do where do we go from here <laughs> I don't know what it say. sucks
0: i'm just saying that people deal with ptsd their own ways right we talk about it we joke about it but if you guys have anybody that's gone through a traumatic experience, don't think that they just get over it one day, just cause they're able to, you know, deal with society better. Right. You know? Yeah. Just cause they're able to laugh on cue or, you know, put away their issues for an afternoon while they're going hanging out with family. Doesn't mean that those issues don't exist.
1: Oh my God. You just hit one of the like, I don't mean to disrupt the moment, but you hit one of the biggest things that I have too, which is like my, the way I engage and socialize nowadays is so different because I, like if I'm expected to feel happy about something, like I don't have those, Mm -hmm. those kind of feelings anymore. They're not like normal feelings. So like, you know, when I, when I. When I got my uh, bachelor's degree, it was you know, everyone is excited opening it up and, and looking at it and putting it in the frame and it's I wasn't, you know, I didn't it mm-hmm. so I kinda learned at the point now, at this point now, it's like don't I shouldn't have to like imitate the emotions that I think I should be feeling. I'm just gonna feel what I wanna feel. And yeah. you shouldn't have like problems for me not not trying to fit in. Like I used to try to do that, but now I just I don't if I don't if I'm not feeling super excited about something when I know I should, it's okay. I'll I'll just try to figure it out later, but I yeah. don't need to like pretend to be smiling or laughing anymore. And uh that that's kind of something that I I have to deal with quite often nowadays cuz you know I have kids, mm-hmm. so it's like they want me to feel excited for this and that and and they they kind of know that I'm not like 100% you know mental, right? Mentally you yeah. know good right now. So they, they've kind of allowed for allowances for that. But, you know, I, uh, that's, I, that's, I try that's... around them. I try, but I, at the same time, it's like I'm not going to pretend to be somebody I'm not.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of my biggest fears, uh, you know, in the future if I ever do become a father is um, I have a really hard time being emotionally, like, there, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, for instance, a cast member... On a shoot, I was working, just a day working for... Um, so, I didn't know the, the actress very much at all. Um, mm-hmm. Her dad died. And everybody else had, like, a, um, a really big reaction because she had... She was bawling all over the place. She was so sad. And for good reason. I mean, her father just died, right? Yeah. And the other crew members were all, like, crying and sad and, like... You know everybody was down and out, and I'm just like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna go sit down because this is obviously gonna push us back by about an hour." So <laughs> I'll be right over there. Yeah, yeah, and,
1: you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm trying so, not to like, you know, in the moment it's it, I kind of want to laugh because the situation is kind of funny, but yeah, I know I yeah I get it, yeah, and I'm I'm kind of dealing with that kind of it's a weird thing. That's that that's a. That's, I think when we did the Mary and Ma, uh, Max and Mary episode too, I was like, maybe I'm mm-hmm. on the spectrum somewhere because I, that's one of the things, like, I don't feel like I can socialize yeah. with people anymore, but also maybe it's just because I've dealt with some <laughs> shit that most people will never have to deal with. So Yeah, and it could be a,
0: you know, it could easily, and we, by the way, we're not doctors by any stretch of the imagination, people, so don't think we are. Oh, um, we have
1: no medical opinions.
0: No, none whatsoever. But, um, you know, the lack of doing or getting joy out of things that you got joy out of before is a definitive symptom of PTSD. And if you have PTSD, there's a good chance that you're feeling this lack of enjoyment in a lot of things like I, I get that myself. I get a lot of lack of enjoyment out of stuff that I'll find enjoyable for just a short, you know, little bit of time and then it just uh, completely dies you know
1: yeah but so do you think that that's a good point that you're saying about not feeling enjoyment but do you think that is also because the things that we used to get enjoyment from were like shooting guns and throwing grenades so Mm -hmm. do you think that our just our enjoyment is different like maybe if I kicked indoors for a living and tased people and, and fought people regularly that didn't want mm-hmm. to go back to jail. Maybe going on a roller coaster is just not the thing that's going to do it for me. Or do you think it, yeah. it has to do with the trauma, trauma associated with it? It, It's all individual, you know? Okay, that's a good answer. Yeah, You're ready to run for office. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, God, no, I would never But no, but, it really is, it's all up to the individual and the different trauma that they've experienced Like, yeah, and, I know and, that, Um, like, roller coasters have no problem with me whatsoever But I imagine someone who is in a plane crash or a helicopter crash would have a completely different feeling, you know?
1: Absolutely, yeah but yeah, we, we definitely wanted to just, you know, take this episode to kind of like explain our trauma, like our, the things that kind of have bonded us uh, together over this show and just the the kind of outrage that we've had that it wasn't being properly <laughs> shown in in the movies that we're featuring and talking about lately. Yeah. And uh, it, it's kind of nice just to bring a little bit of a uh, spotlight to this and highlight this issue because... Uh, you know, it, it is PTSD Awareness Month, and we... Mm-hmm. Is that a thing, or am I just saying that? I thought you no, it is. That. It's PTSD oh, okay. Awareness Month. <laughs> okay. Because it is PTSD Awareness Month, and we you know, wanted to you know, highlight the fact that there are people out there dealing with real mental problems, and uh, it just happens to be two of them that you're listening to today. And uh, <laughs> if we can bring a highlight to that by sharing our stories, then I think it's, it's worth sharing.
0: Yeah. It absolutely is. Not everybody with PTSD is a dysfunctioning member of society. Okay. Some of us are able to do stuff. Not a bunch of stuff. I'm just kidding. We're (laughs) able to do what we believe we are able to do. And the more we see media put us down saying that, people with PTSD are worthless and all they're going to do is explode every chance they get. And they're going to um, attack anybody that disagrees with them. And the more we listen to that, the more we accept that the more often that's going to happen. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So the less we're tolerant of filmmakers making PTSD out to be just the go to bad guy, you know, mental illness, I think we need to talk about it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go Bring ahead and awareness. make the assumption that I think a lot of people in production that work, you know, crew jobs probably mm-hmm. are people that have PTSD themselves because I, I I this is just intuition, but I've a lot of people that I've run into that that work on sets tend to come from uh similar backgrounds of either, you yeah. know, uh armed services or or law enforcement or or Some kind of, uh, you know, something that was a lot more exciting in their previous career that now, you know, they're they're happy (laughs) to be to be the guy that's in a controlled environment. And they they kind of thrive in that environment because it's it's nice and safe, you know, and and everything's everything's, you know, done the way that it was planned. And it was kind of all put together in a nice little package. and, And you can kind of feel comfort from that. Uh, maybe not so much for the people, the actors that are on camera because things are a little bit different for them. It's usually a little bit of a crazy ride, but for the crew side, it's like all this stuff was planned. We knew what we were doing. We just had to come up and set Mm -hmm. the lights and put the, you know, the cameras in the right spot and put them at the right, you know, aperture and we're good to go. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of filmmakers get into filmmaking because of the military like environment. A lot of like you know ex vets, like you were saying, a lot of vets go into it. That's one reason I did.
1: That's a good point, and I'm sure there's a good joke there that I <laughs> can't get out quick <laughs> enough. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I want to say something joke with like one <laughs> drill sergeant and the director. I don't know. I just have oh, this image geez. of people screaming in my face and it's, but it's all no. too vivid and real because that's what really happens on a set. So no, the drill uh, <laughs> sergeant would be the first AD, not the director. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause they're the one that, that barks a lot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the yeah. barker. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give that to you. <laughs> Quiet on set. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, with that, feel free to join us next week. Where we're going to go back to the movies and oh, yeah. uh, we're going to be start tearing things apart and uh, breaking them down like we normally do. We're finding all the little symbolism nuggets in there for you. And mm-hmm. uh, in the meantime, you can join us at Uncovered Cinema. And Reddit is, uh, is TikTok. R slash Uncovered Cinema. Yes. It's beautiful, join us beautiful there. time over there. And you can join in on our uh, crazy PTSD stories that are going to be popping up, no doubt, throughout this week. Oh, <laughs> and, God. Yeah. yeah we'll... Uh, uh, just keep it clean, guys. You know, we tried our best to keep it clean, but yeah, yes, we don't we don't, clean we don't want to hear about all the crazy things that, that are going <laughs> in the world because nowadays we just try to focus on the goodness of the world and not so much hate. Yeah exactly.
0: Yeah, the more the more I lived in hate the more I dwelled in how much I was angry about what happened, the harder it was for me to accept And deal with the body that I have now. So if you guys are just continuously angry, like figure out a way to let it go. Like figure
1: out a way to... Exactly. You know, you do what you got to do. If you got to reach out to somebody, I mean, we're here Mm -hmm. too. You can join us at Uncovered Cinema and we shared our story. Maybe you could share yours with us. Yeah. And uh, we're definitely... Not in the business of saving lives, but we are an open no. source. Yeah, absolutely. Always. Yeah. And with that, we'll uh, see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us and uh, listening to our stories.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, thank you guys. Bye.